Hey everyone, and welcome back to Freeality, the podcast where we explore the reality of being a freelancer and how to succeed as one. I'm your host, Shelby Stevens, and a quick thank you to Jolly for supporting this podcast. Freelancers use Jolly to sell their services on the web. Your Jolly page will turn visitors into clients and clients into recurring repeat clients. Learn how Jolly can help you launch and build a stable freelance career at www.jollyhq.com. And now, Freeality. Today, our guest is Maggie Gentry, a mindful marketing consultant based in Austin, Texas. And this is a really special interview for me because I've worked with Maggie before. I love Maggie and her work. She's an incredibly talented and smart freelance consultant, and I I love her focus on mindfulness. She refers to her practice as mindful marketing. And so we'll get into what that means. Um, But to start, Maggie, Let's start by having you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about how you started your freelance career, how you got into it. Yeah, thanks, Shelby. Thanks for having me and for that kind intro. A little bit about me. I mean, I my background's in marketing. I came to Austin for school, went to UT Austin and got my BBA in marketing. And I worked client side for seven years before I kind of hit this wall where I was... Um, feeling pretty frustrated with how there was such a focus on these tactics that didn't seem to work. And um, it was kind of like results at all cost and uh, very toxic just work environments too that weren't considering the whole person. (laughs) And at that point, I quit, frankly, and didn't know what I was going to do. I just kind of flailed around for the better part of a year um, and it was in that time when I met up with an acquaintance at, at, you know, back then, and um, she was looking for some marketing help, and she was transitioning her business from B2C to B2B, and so within six months of working together, um, she sat me down at the end of the year and was like, hey, I need you to look at these numbers. Like, my revenue has tripled since I've been working with you. And she was like, and and that was just not a metric. You know, typically you're like always looking at those metrics. And it was just not something that I was focused on because I wanted to ensure that we were doing things slowly, intentionally, meaningfully. um, And yet that was the result. And, you know, she was this beautiful catalyst for me to say like, hey, you can do this for other people. And I think maybe I had an inkling of that notion before, but I didn't, I didn't really take it to heart until she kind of opened that door for me. And then, you know, that was late 2015 and 2016 is when I officially started. And um, yeah, so it's been a roller coaster. There have been (laughs) ebbs and flows for sure, but I've been at it for almost five years now. That's such a great story. Um, You mentioned that you officially started, I think you said in 2016. What what do you mean by officially started? What, what did mm-hmm. you do to officially start? Yeah, so that kind of year that I said that I wasn't sure what I was doing, I had a part-time job at that point. And, um, you know, in marketing, I also had an events background. So I was used to doing that. So I was also kind of working events, like taking up, so, was, you know, gig worker, essentially. So kind of cobbling together work through these various methods. And then like the official start by that is, I 
stopped the part-time gig. I officially filed for, at that time it was a DBA, I'm an LLC now, um, but I got my website together, um, you know, did the, got my business banking account. To me, that was, you know, kind of the official launch was also kind of removing that safety net of the part-time job. When you officially started, what did you do initially to, uh, to build your business, to get clients? Yeah, it was, um, a lot of networking. I mean, this was, uh, you know, pre COVID. So, um, there was a lot of going to events, a lot of just meeting as many people as I could, a lot of going on um, just coffee chats to meet with folks, and also a lot of just trying to get my, um, my message and my word out there. So there was a lot of um, offering of my services and time in exchange for exposure. So um, I did quite a few free workshops at that time. Um, and, and that worked for a while, but I found that a couple years in, when I transitioned from trying to directly find clients to then try to find collaborative partners that were in these kind of tangential fields, that is when things really started to shift for me. So as a marketer, when I can partner with web designers or graphic designers or branding consultants, um, when we can kind of complement one another's services, um, that was kind of the turning point for me. Tell me more about partnering with folks to, for collaborations. How, how did you mm -hmm. go about doing that? Yeah, so the, the first one, um, like really was with a, a graphic and web designer. And so the thing with, we were perfectly suited because my expertise is more on strategy, copy and content. And her expertise is on these incredible brand visuals and visual identity via the web and social and all of the other brand assets. So historically what she was doing is like really relying on the client to provide all the content and copy. And that was not her strong suit when the client was needing help. Um, it's, it's challenging as a client, if you've never presented yourself in a website format before to know how to do that. And so it was, um, it was like a welcome breath of fresh air for her when I could come in and kind of help manage that process for the client. So we were able to tag team, but we were also, um, you know, supporting the client in, in towards the same goal, but in two completely different realms, if that makes sense. Like for me, focusing more on, on like the words, let's say is like the final result and her like on the visuals. So that was huge. And um, another one like with a branding agency. So that's kind of getting folks in from the very beginning working on language and understanding the intentional words that they're using to describe what they do. And then after that stage of working with the branding agency, then there's like this make it real component. And so then I can come in during that make it real stage, whether that's helping them develop a course or a website or building kind of like the backend marketing systems. So what does that client onboarding, offboarding experience look like? Um, so it, it's 
been interesting finding folks who are, are looking at the, the client journey and can, and can touch on different aspects of the client journey. And then like me kind of coming in to swoop in and support that in some way. Do you think this is something that newer freelancers can do? And I guess part of my question here is kind of, do you wish you had tried to build these types of partnerships earlier? And, and if so, do you think this is something that newer freelancers can do? Or do you think this really only works once you've established yourself a little bit more? No, I, I mean, it's definitely something I wish I had done earlier. Um, and I think it's, yeah, I mean, most of the time, that's like my first piece of advice for folks that are starting out. Because our initial instinct is how do we go after the client? Because obviously, that's what we need, right? But I, what I have found in expanding this like referral network, if you will, is that, you know, once you start building your client base, and then also hopefully when there's quality work there, then there's also word of mouth that will start to build. But if you have folks that, you know, so right now it's like I work pretty consistently with three other designers. And so it's often that I'm saying, hey, I've got this new project, will you come in and work with me? But it's also very common that unexpectedly they'll say, hey, I've got a client that, you know, I found, can you come work with me on this? And so what I'm effectively doing is expanding the number of touch points of ways that potential clients can come to me rather than me. Cause I think what I was doing the first couple years, it felt really exhausting where I was like the only person trying to form these relationships and connections. So if I have, if I'm focusing on relationships and if I have these really beautiful partnerships and collaborations, they've established trust with people. If they're getting other word of mouth referrals, then there's already that baseline of trust. And then if we as collaborators have already established that same baseline of trust, then it's a pretty easy, well, I won't say easy, it's a pretty effective return on investment, you know? So like I, I can, it's been rare that, I, that we haven't landed gigs, I think because of that relationship and that trust, that's kind of that baseline. Yeah, one of the things that we think about a lot is is how much uncertainty there can be for freelancers around who your next clients will be, how much you might be earning next month. In particular, we think about how we help, you know, how we can help freelancers build predictability and stability into their independent careers. I love the idea of expanding the number of channels or touch points, as you said, where new potential clients can find and reach you through forming these types of collaborative partnerships. Anything else come to mind in terms of, of ways you've uh, been able to, to either expand those channels of, of new, new client acquisition or otherwise increase kind of the stability and predictability of your independent career? I don't have an answer for you, <laughs> Shelby. I wish I did, but that's like one of the reasons why I'm so interested in Jolly is to help like pick up some of that slack the possibility of, of like expanding my own income through Jolly because of exactly that, the predictability that you shared is, is so great. Maggie, what is mindful marketing? Can you tell us what that means and what it means as a practice? Yeah. So for me, mindful marketing is really a reclamation of marketing. I feel as though um, a lot of my clients will come to me and when they say like, I know I need to market myself, but there's kind of this like slimy, icky feeling to it. Um, and I think that's because we've grown accustomed to 
this more manipulative way of marketing. We've just become accustomed to being um, talked at or being talked to. And it seems like the way of marketing as it has been has been this one-way conversation of persuasion and manipulation. And so my hope is how can we open up the dialogue so that it is just that, so that it is a two-way conversation, so that it is about the people behind the numbers and the screens, so that it is this um, two-way approach to marketing that is more um, invitational rather than persuasive. And for freelancers, whether they're newer and just getting started, maybe don't have a client, maybe they have one client, or even for freelancers who are more established, what are some things freelancers themselves can do when they're marketing their own independent business to, to be more mindful, to be more true to this idea of mindful marketing? Mm -hmm. Well, it, it goes back to this idea. I mean, I have to think about the best way that you can show up and share what you're working on is when you yourself are in a space of clarity and spaciousness. So there's an element of when you, if you adhere to this practice of mindful marketing, that there's also an element of a self um, inquiry, a contemplative practice for yourself. So again, if you know you decide um, what channels you're going to be using, it's how am I going to best show up as myself to get this message across. There's something about, um, you know, I believe that the energy that we put towards something comes across in the work that we do. So if we are begrudgingly putting together Instagram captions, then I don't feel like that will have the engagement that you want. So yes, there's a level of having to share to a certain extent that might not feel um, particularly good for everyone. And is there a way where you can show up um, as authentically as you. So, I mean, as far as like the first thing to do, it, it would always be to pause and check in with yourself and ask, what is my intention behind this? Why do I want to share this? And then also thinking about how can you create, um, going back to that idea of like the two-way conversation and having it be more invitational. So, a really beautiful way, an easy way to do this is thinking about how can you turn certain statements into questions. There's something that's really inviting about having that question mark that kind of cracks that door for then people to engage with you. Um, so that would be my recommendation is where in this can you invite engagement um, in conversation. One of the things I love uh, to ask freelancers and successful freelancers particularly um, like you is what types of freelance services um, have been most effective for you in terms of combining one the work that you really love to do mm -hmm. to the clients that you the type of clients and people that you really love to work with and then three of course your ability to meet your your income and your earnings goals mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's something that I'm constantly exploring and trying to tweak different offerings to hit that trifecta. Um, right now, the offering that I think matches that the best for me is um, a way in which I've been working where, I mean, I say that I'm 
a skilled generalist. So I have quite a few areas in which um, I really enjoy doing the work and also am skilled and, and an expert in that. Um, and I think, you know, this is like a little bit of just my nature of who I am. I enjoy being able to do something a little bit different every day. So as far as the work that I've been doing, it's, I kind of ask folks instead to, instead of agreeing to a particular scope of work, instead what I've noticed is because we'll get started on one thing and then once we're in it, they need something else. And so to allow for that flexibility for me to just say yes and for us to just get the work done is to say, hey, buy a block of time. And within that block of time, here's the range of projects that I can do. So then clients come to me and they say, hey, Maggie, this is what I need. Can you do that? And I say yes or no. Um, and if it's a yes, then we get going. If it's a no, then I have this you know, network of referral partners that I can send them to. So that allows me to work only on the things that I really love to do. And I think that the type of client that is attracted to that also understands that there's an inherent trust and flexibility and nuance to our work together. So they are um, willing to have that spaciousness and know that it will get done. And then, I mean, also that's probably of the three right now, I don't have it set to like a subscription type model. So the payment is really, you know, those hours can last for however long. And that brings in a bit of unpredictability, which is a little, can be frustrating, but also I do really like it because there's a transparency there um, of me just saying like, you're really getting what you're paying for. And so then I think that that seems to be um, the kind of tipping point where I think people are, are, are more assured where they're not like leaving money on the table for time unused. In terms of retaining clients, uh, keep keeping them as clients, how do you approach your actual work with them to maximize the chance of continuing to work with them, you know, for another block of time or for a longer period of time? Yeah. So, I mean, practically, whenever we get to one hour left is when I share and I say, hey, this is where we are with our, our time block. Um, is there something in particular that you want me to prioritize within this time or would you like to re-engage? Um, but also, I mean, what I try to do is just consistently check in. You know, there are some clients where we might go months and there's nothing really for me to work on, but I still just touch base to say, hey, how's it going? Just reminding them that I'm there. Um, and my hope is that what keeps them coming back and now, I mean, I've had some clients that have, we've worked in this capacity for about three years. And so it really almost is, um, project-based at this point, like they'll come when they have something for me to work on, and then I might not hear from them for a while, and then we'll come back to it. So I think it's, um, or I hope that it's the quality of the work that is produced that keeps them coming back. And, you know, I always try to um, also really enjoy learning. So it's just, I'm, you know, constantly trying to learn new things and offer new skills when possible. Um, so I hope that's it. I hope that what keeps them coming back is the relationship and the quality of the work. So beyond the quality of your work, the quality of experience working with you, those other things you mentioned, in terms of nurturing past clients, what do you do to stay on their radar so that um, they remember that, that mm -hmm. you're there for them? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's this time of year. So I always, um, will reach out to folks at the end of the year. Some of them are actually on my newsletter list. So that's also a way that we can just, um, regularly stay in touch. But the thing that I've started this year, which I'm really, um, it feels really true to me is, so I always ask clients for their birthdays. And so then I got just some happy birthday cards from Moo and got them printed. And so then that way, regardless of when I work with the person, it's just a way for me to reach, you know, touch base and just say, Hey, thinking about you, hope you have a great day. And so that, you know, that kind of handwritten note and gesture, not that I haven't quite, I don't think that um, there's like a direct way for me to track that. And I think it's just, there's typically some sort of um, correspondence after that. So then it's just a way for me to, um, in in my mind, in like a non-pushy way to um, stay on their radar and to really just like lovingly say, hey, was really just thinking about you on your day. Um, so trying to make it not about work always, but again, going back to that relationship. I love that. It's it's actually somewhat similar to the reason why I started doing these interviews, which has, you know, which have turned into a podcast and, and blog posts is it just felt like something I wanted to do and was, mm-hmm. you know, was true to, to me and, and something that I love doing. Um, yeah. And I also, I mean, I guess the other thing is, you know, I always follow my clients on social media. So then it's something too, where and just keeping abreast of what they're doing. And so if they have, if they're celebrating a success, then I want to, you know, just celebrate them too. So sometimes it's just a quick DM or something like that. But again, just for me, it, it, it always goes back to how can I be friendly and how can I be kind and relational? I want to talk briefly about what freelancers actually need to have and need to do in order to get started or grow their business or be successful generally. Um, it can be a little overwhelming to think about everything you should do to be a freelancer. So build a website, you know, be active on social media, maybe launch an email newsletter, the list goes on. So what are the things that you think actually matter and make a difference in terms of building a career, getting clients, uh, nurturing your business versus all the other stuff that is maybe nice to have, nice to do, but isn't quite as critical? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, you know, this is where I, it's an iterative process. So whenever you're getting started for me, there has, I, there's gotta be something where you can point people to. So whether that is your jolly page with your list of services and your bio, or if it's a website, I mean, that's why I think jolly so helpful is because it's really easy to set up and a way for you to share your content and services really quickly. So that could even be a step like, you know, that could be a V1 of your website before you um, go into, because it's an investment if you're going to do the full like branding and and have someone um, develop your website for you. Um, You know, social can be a great way too, because it is free to engage. Um, That being said, I mean, I've had more and more conversations lately about people wanting to get off social. So I would not say that it's a requirement. But there is going to be some level of sharing your expertise, sharing your voice, sharing who you are and what you can do. So instead of saying that you have to pick social and newsletter and, and, and all of these things, 
my recommendation would be to find one, maybe two that you feel really energized about and focus on those and do them well first. So whether that is if you gravitate towards long form writing, then maybe blog and newsletter makes more sense. If social feels like you can just take a, you know, snap a quick photo and, a, you, know, you know, something really um, quick and witty, then maybe you try social first. Um, so it's really about how do you wanna express yourself and how are you gonna show yourself in your most authentic way? Um, and that's where I would focus first and foremost. Um, and then also don't forget about the people who are already in your personal network. So I think that um, we often have this overwhelming feeling like we need to get more, more, more and new people and new eyes on our work when in actuality you'll have a lot of luck if you go back to the people who already know you because everybody knows people and so if you go to the people who already know you and say, hey, I'm launching this new venture. Um, is there anyone you know in your circle or could you send this to a few people? That can really be a beautiful place to start is with your personal network. So a few kind of fun questions before we wrap up. Thinking back to the earlier days of your freelance career, what advice would you give yourself at that early moment of starting out? Ooh. <laughs> Gosh, there's so much. I mean, there's a little bit of, there's an element of staying true and connected and convicted about why you're doing what you do, but release any notion of how that will happen because there are amazing things that are like making their way to you now that you can never have expected. So I think that it's um, spending less time in focusing on the how and more time really relishing and getting clear about the why. I love that. At Jolly, we have a core belief that true freedom means creating your own rules. I'm curious if that means anything special to you. What does that What does that mean to you? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, creating your own rules to me that's that's kind of the whole point, right? To me, that means that you get to design your life the way you want it, and I think that's the whole maybe not the whole, but a main reason why freelance careers can be so exciting for so many. And it also can be really daunting and a little bit too much because there's also a sense of safety and comfort and being told what to do or being know, knowing what to do. Um, yeah, so there's freedom in being able to go your own way and it takes a lot of courage to also choose to do that every day. I should also add for the listeners and readers, of course, that working with Maggie helped us dig down and ultimately kind of identify that as a core belief of our company. So thank you for that help, Maggie. Yeah, it was my pleasure. <laughs> um, one last question here. Looking out five years, knowing that there's a lot of uncertainty, of course, what do you hope your independent career looks like? Oh, Shelby, I'm, I'm like historically so bad at these questions. <laughs> um, but for me, I hope it's a continual commitment to honoring what is my truth, 
each day. It's hard for me to know what five years is going to look like. It's hard for me to know to some extent what next month will look like. Um, so I, I hope that I can stay grounded, centered, and curious to always ensure that whatever I'm doing is truly in service of, of my own why, my own truth, um, and allowing for that flexibility and growth and evolution, which will in inevitably come. I think you broke your historical uh, weakness on answering those types of questions. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, uh, and you know, in like middle school, and they're like, what do you want to do in five years? And I was like, oh gosh, I don't know. Well, uh, the reason I love your, one of the reasons why I love your answer to that question is because it's not about tactically what you will be doing. It's about how you will be doing it. And mm. I think that's, uh, that's such an important distinction that we don't think about enough um, that, you know, we get focused on the goals, we get focused on the specific things that we want to do or need to do, uh, or the things we did in the past. And we don't think enough about how we want to go about living our lives and doing our work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, to me, I just think like the future is made on a collection of present moments. So it's like, how can I make this moment exactly what it needs to be? Beautiful. Before we break, is there, is there anything, anyone, any resource um, that you want to mention that you think might be helpful for the listeners or readers? Yeah. Um, one of the most impactful books that I read, and he's a poet and an author, and I mean, I, I love all of his work, and he even does some Sunday sessions, like live Zoom sessions, if you get really into it. But the book that I would recommend, especially if you're starting out, is Crossing the Unknown Sea by David White. He does a really beautiful job of um, sharing his own journey to finding a career um, and a lifestyle that feels true and authentic for him. And it, it was really impactful for me. Awesome. Well, Maggie, this has just been uh, an honor and a privilege and so much fun to, to speak with you. Um, so, so thank you so much for joining. That's it for today. Thanks, Shelby. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freeality. We hope this content helps you launch and build your own independent career. If you're a successful freelancer or if you know someone who is and is willing to share candid thoughts on what it's like to be a freelancer and how to build a successful independent career, please get in touch with us about being a guest on the show. Just shoot us an email at contact at jollyhq.com. Until next time, I'm Shelby Stevens, and remember, True freedom means creating your own rules. Thank you.